I'm Mark Hennick. This is So-Called Normal. Hey everyone, I'm Mark Hennick. Welcome to So-Called Normal. Today on the show, I'm really excited for this one, uh, we have the guys from Sick Boy. Now, if you don't know what Sick Boy is, go over and uh, listen to their podcast that's been fairly long running right now. It's very popular, uh, where they talk to people like me uh, with health conditions, usually with chronic conditions, uh, sometimes people who are dying, who are uh, suffering in the worst kinds of ways. And I know I'd, I know I'm probably making it sound really bad, uh, and the stories can be really bad and difficult to get through, uh, but they're so important, and the work that they're doing is so important. Uh, and the guys there, Jeremy Taylor and Brian, are just really solid people who, uh, you know, you develop a relationship uh, with people, whether whatever medium they're on. Uh, we got to know each other a little bit more when I did their show, uh, and I talked about my own experiences, and that was around, I had just finished the first draft of my book, and it was around the time where I just started to really actually identify in a clearer way what the timeline was of my own experiences. Uh, and I hadn't realized before, because I was writing this blog post for their uh, for my episode of their podcast when I was on, so go check that out too. Uh, and I had realized that I had been formally struggling with the mental health system, with depression and anxiety and even suicidal thoughts, from as early as about 10 years old. And I had never really pegged it to that age before. I knew that I had my first hospitalization was when I was 12, Um but I had never really tracked it to that, and it almost certainly would have been earlier than that, of course, because that's just when I was when I was struggling more overtly. So that was really important for me, I think, to realize that I'd been been dealing with some of the stuff that I was talking about on their episode for longer than I haven't for most of my life, actually. Um, so I, I got into some stuff in, when I was on their show that I'd never really talked about before or since. So it, it was a lot of fun. Go check it out and and listen to some of their other episodes as well. But especially before you do that, listen to this episode since you've already started listening, uh, and we got into a bit of it. You might notice in, in a couple of points during our conversation that they take over the hosting duties, <laughs> so, so I think that's a, probably an occupational hazard of being podcast hosts, that they just play off each other so well. So uh, I think we had a great conversation. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it, so um, have fun. Uh, listen uh, to the end, because I got some important information for you on the back end as well. I'm Mark Hennick. This is So-Called Normal, and here's my conversation sick for but this is cool that you've got a pod because you were on our podcast i was and that's actually i mean i had been thinking about it for a long time before but just being able to see what you guys were able to do and to have such interesting conversations but to keep it light and to keep it interesting you mm-hmm. know it was really inspiring for me uh, in that respect so mm-hmm. you know i'd be interested in learning more about how you guys how the idea came up to do it how you figured it out how it went the, the long end of it is um so, so all right, speaking about Halifax, I was performing as an actor in the city. And uh, back in like 2015, somewhere around there, there was a, um, a big thing that, that happened where they, they cut out the, the Nova Scotia had this really amazing tax credit, film tax credit. So there's a lot of like awesome film work happening in the city, in, in Halifax and in the province in general. And um, the government kind of axed the tax credit and the whole um, industry sort of fizzled out. And a lot of my friends were were people who were in that industry, and a lot of them had to move away and, and leave. And that was kind of the thing that I, I poured all of my my heart and soul into, was to be you know, a film and, and stage actor, but I really loved film. And it was like I woke up one day, and that was all taken away from me. And um, 
and it was also kind of ramping up to the the winter months. And so I think like a culmination of those two things, I actually like went into this. It was the first time I ever um, can say that I was was ever really depressed. Mm. And uh, so I started to see a, a therapist and uh, really like had a hard time shaking this whole thing because the the reason why I felt so depressed was because I'm a very like creative person and I need a creative outlet and the one thing that I could do to satiate that need to, 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 um, express myself creatively, I couldn't do it. Yeah. People, people who, uh, struggle with depression in particular seem to be disproportionately creative types. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you must've encountered that in your, in your community at the time, the people that you worked with. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, yeah. like it was very, and everybody knew it. It wasn't, it, it it was very vocal because the film community was very, very vocal about the tax credit and Mm -hmm. it, it didn't just stay within that community. Like everybody knew and it was very much, um, front of mind for a long time, um, with like Nova Scotians that, mm-hmm. that the government had done this thing that right. was really kind of decimating this industry. Yeah. So Taylor and, and Brian, were you guys involved in the film community as well as acting? No, I actually, I just moved home. I was living in Dubai for four years oh, really? and oh. um, I was working in business development and uh, I, I, I liked living there, but it just, it wasn't the same as, as being home. Mm-hmm. So after four years, I moved back home and I was looking to start my own business. I took a real estate course. And uh, this is right around the exact same time that this all happened with the film tax credit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Taylor and I, like, we always we always knew that we wanted to work on something together. Brian and I have been friends for eight, 18 years now. 18 yeah. years, yeah. yeah. So when, when and Taylor was just, at, at the same time, Taylor was getting ready to open a, a, a yoga studio. So we had kind of, we, we started planning this Wednesday night um, meet up at the the new Halifax library where we just get together and like kind of work on our own thing, but hopefully down the road, it would become something that we could do together. Mm. And, uh, and it was like time to work on our passion projects. Like what are we working on outside of the, our main mm-hmm. kind of things mm-hmm. and how can we, and then, and then like you said, Brian, like how can that possibly come together as something that we all do together? Right. How, how old were you when you, we're doing this. I'm thinking about this. This is well. When we when I moved home, ago, it was three yeah. years ago. So just I would have been 27. I yeah, been 25. And I would have been 26. Okay. Yeah. And meanwhile, while they're while they're doing this, uh, and I'm I'm in this like bout of depression. Uh, Kevin Smith, the the director, yeah. uh, comes to Halifax yeah. to screen his movie Tusk, which if you've never watched it, highly recommended. <sighs> oh man, it is pure chaos. It's amazing. (laughs) And so he screens this movie and and he also does this thing called an evening with Kevin Smith. It's basically a a speaking session where he answers questions, but he, he talks so much Mm. and he talks so eloquently. He's really, he's really great at it. He's a storyteller. He's a storyteller. Mm. So within a a three hour period, uh, there's maybe about 80 people lined up to ask questions. He gets through maybe three, Hmm. right? So within this, this three hour talk, someone brings up uh, podcasting and he he's a podcast mogul he's he has you know a podcast network he's got several podcasts on the go he does he hosted one uh, uh, on Frasier called talk salad and scramble eggs he's very specific podcast they do but he spent most of the time talking about Star Wars as yeah. he does on most of his shows <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds like Kevin Smith yeah. it sounds like most of his podcasts um, 
And so I, I, I'll never forget what he said, which, which his answer to this person's question, I don't even remember what they asked him, but his re- response started with, um, podcasting is the perfect form of creative expression because everybody in this room can start a podcast. Everybody in this room has a phone. If you have a phone and you have an idea or something that you are passionate about, you have a podcast because it doesn't matter how out there, how wild, how wacky that thing is that you're passionate about. There's at least one other person who's also interested in that same thing. And they're going to listen to what you have to say. And it doesn't matter if it's one person or if it's a hundred thousand people, because this is your thing that you've created and you can do. And when he said that, I remember just like all of a sudden just being slammed with this, this sense of gratitude it was like the first time I ever, I've, I've, this was the thing I was looking for, right? Mm-hmm. Like this was the thing that I had, I had my, my acting was taken away from me. And then he just says this and I go, I can, I can start a podcast. I, I can talk about what it's like to be sick and call it mm-hmm. sick boy. Mm-hmm. Literally in that moment, mm-hmm. like had that thought and went, that's, yeah, it's not a bad idea. All right. I'm like I'll sit with it. Is that something that you had talked a lot about before in, in, in your other work? No, no, not at all. No. Um, uh, no. And so I sat with that idea for like a couple of weeks and then knew that these guys were having these like little weekly meetings. And when I came to one of those hangouts at the library, I was like, you know, we, they were talking about what can we, we want to start something. And we, were, I was like, we were talking about some of our like favorite, we were just talking about podcasts that we loved at the yeah. time. And we were like, because the three of us were podcast fans before before we ever decided to yeah. to make one. And and then when we were talking about um, some of our favorite podcasts, that's when Jer brought up the idea. He was like, mm. guys, we should we should do this. Mm-hmm. Except his idea was actually terrible. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know about terrible, but it, it definitely wasn't. It was a different idea. Yeah. What was the original idea? Well, the original idea was I would, I would sit down with a doctor and we would have a guest on. And so like the doctor would be there to... to to be the smart one and have like the, have all of the, all of, he's the encyclopedia. He has mm-hmm. all the information that we would need if the person didn't know what they had or, you know, couldn't describe what it meant to live with, you know, MS or whatever. And then I was just kind of there as like the, the comedic relief. And then we would talk to someone who was sick. Um, but the catch was that the doctor is really, really dry and really doesn't find Jeremy's humor funny. <laughs> <laughs> You're straight man. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's funny yeah. because like there, the, if there's people from who listen to Sick Boy who are listening to this conversation, and they, some people might be thinking like, "Man, that would be so much better because <laughs> no. it's three idiots." Like, we tripled the idiotness. <laughs> just like the idiocracy of our I show. I wonder what that podcast would yeah, be. Right. Yeah, right. Well, so that was the idea and I, I said to to these guys and then and then you guys were like, "Well, let's do let's do some someone had the idea of going, let's do an episode where you two will for the pilot, for the pilot episode, you two were going to be the the guest hosts mm-hmm. and I was going to be the guest." So it was like all right, the two guest hosts are going to ask me the questions because I'm the sick person. And then once we get that out of the way, we'll go into me and somebody else interviewing these sick people. Mm-hmm. And so we went into the recording studio, talked for about an hour, came out, immediately went back to Taylor's house, listened to it. And we were like, 
beside ourselves with how how it was it was this conversation that was for us truly really funny uh really sort of like eye-opening and 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 educational in a way because there was a lot that you guys learned about myself yeah. and about mm-hmm. cystic fibrosis that you didn't know yeah i had known you for about five years at this point mm-hmm. um and and i thought that i pretty much knew everything because when mm-hmm. we first met when jeremy and i first met we were in brazil and uh we were sharing a room together at this at a yoga teacher training and i didn't meet him until the moment that i was basically introduced to my roommates mm. and I was brought into this room at like one in the morning because I got to this like really remote spot on the on the beach in Brazil. It's amazing, like paradise. And I go in and Jeremy's got a, 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 a thing that he's like, he's sucking vapor out of. And I walk into the room thinking, oh, this is cool here. Like, yeah, right, this is yeah. fine. This is fine for you to be doing that. And and he's like, oh, you thought I was getting high. I thought, yeah, I thought, <laughs> you thought I was getting high. I'm I thought really getting high. My nebulizer, which is like Ventolin and 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 like hypertonic saline to like clear my lungs out. <clears throat> but it was really like the introduction yeah. to or or the start of the comfort level of talking about what it's like for Jeremy to be sick because I just went, hey, what's that? Yeah, and he, hey, he said, caught me in the middle of my treatment. Yeah, which is like not a lot of people see. And right. that was the first time we met. And yeah. then Jeremy said, oh, well, it's, it's actually this because I have mm. cystic fibrosis. And then that led to, oh, well, what, 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 so what does it do? What's it, what's it doing to your lungs? Yeah. And then it just started this, you know, we were instantly best friends. And that really started kind of this, yeah. this comfort I was going to say, do you, do you think like one of the things that we've learned through recording the podcast is that like an, an hour of like intimate conversation can really bring you close together with someone. Mm-hmm. But um, especially talking about things like, like sickness that that people when they talk about they're being very vulnerable but do you think that uh your relationship with jeremy taylor is is like it do you think that it evolved so quickly because of that catalyst of talking about what it's like to i don't think so to, there was a there was a lot of factors that played in there's there. a lot yeah, <clears throat> jeremy and lot. i Thanks. um very much falling in love with each other um that helped yeah, it helped. Yeah. But also like similar age. We were at a yoga retreat. We were like one of very few men. Uh we were both like we slept very in a immature. we had to sleep in a single bed together for a month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But so so then, yeah, coming back to that original conversation, uh the other thing was that it was really empowering. Mm. It was like this really empowering experience. And and I think we were all shocked at how well it worked with the three of us. And it, it's like looking back at it now, it makes sense. Like we have a very unique, not unique, but we have a very special dynamic mm-hmm. uh, between the three of us. And, and we we vibe off each other really well. And it came through in this recording. So we thought, well, maybe that was a fluke, right? Like maybe maybe that was just a one off thing because it was the three of us. Mm-hmm. But what if we tried it? What if we tried it with somebody else? What if we were the, the hosts and we just bring somebody else in? So we thought up of the, the sickest person we could think of, which is my friend Matt Amiot at the time, had brain cancer. And I called up Matt and I was like, hey, do you want to come in and make some jokes about your brain cancer? <laughs> and he was like, absolutely. And Matt came in, same thing, we recorded about an hour. And at the end of that hour, we went back and we listened and it was even more mm-hmm. hilarious, educational, and like madly inspiring mm-hmm. than the first. It, it, that's still a benchmark episode to this day. Like, 100%. It, it, that was the, yeah. it was the, we, we, those, those three things that you mentioned, education, inspiration, and, and humor, like the, those are things that we've, we've strived for since the beginning. Yeah. And like that, 
episode was was all of those three things and in, in a pretty perfect balance matt, i think yeah matt yeah. set that ball rolling for us absolutely and yeah, yeah. And it sounds like, though, I mean, you said at the top that it surprised you that you guys were so popular right now, but it sounds like you knew you had something pretty special right from the beginning. Yeah, but see, I I thought we had something special for, like, friends and family Yeah, Mm -hmm. right in the beginning. And then, and then we 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 were like, we got really excited about it because it was fun, and so we were like, let's get a domain. So we got a website, and then we were like, let's uh, let's make a blog post. Like we can make a blog that goes with it. Yeah. So we made a blog, and so I wrote the first blog post, and it was something like, "Hey everybody, my name is Jeremy. I'm dying of cystic fibrosis, and it's not as bad as it sounds." And mm. you know, it was like this kind of mm. goofy. We're finding humor in in the in the darkness of being ill, and we put that blog post out, and I remember getting in a car. The next day, uh, to go to Oceaga, to drive to Oceaga, like my whole my whole outlook was like gonna get real fucked up the, over the next weekend. And as we're gearing up to go, these media outlets start calling us, and they're like, "Hey, we want to we want to cover Sick Boy. We want to talk about your your blog post." We went from like no one knowing what the website was the first day that we put it up to the next day having. Somewhere north of ten thousand hits, hmm. it was and it a, was like what? The it was fuck? a process of of continuously being surprised that we had to keep up with a demand. Like yeah. there was mm-hmm. that not not knowing that that anybody outside of our friend circle or our family circle would find this interesting because you know you have relationships that you go oh we have a great relationship and we think we're really funny and we have really interesting conversations but when you try to think of outside of that like if somebody looking in was listening to this, would they think that this was interesting or would they think that this is funny? And the answer is usually no. And that's, <laughs> that, and that's, and that's, right. what, and that's definitely what we thought. Yeah. So it was just this crazy surprise that we were sitting down and being, and being friends and, yeah. and, and talking to somebody and, and other people found that interesting. It would, and then tr- trying to keep up with the demand. Hey, record more episodes. Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? I mean, it wasn't yeah. until mm-hmm. that, it wasn't until that, that we started to really like figure out what it was we were actually doing but mm. but at this point still like we had just put this blog post out like we didn't even have we didn't have any podcast episodes out right. so people yeah, are like that's right. anticipating no these podcasts anything that's right and 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 uh we were still like two months from being ready to to launch so it was it was kind of interesting because we had this like spike in people who are like what's this podcast all about i'm gonna read this blog post but then we couldn't actually Show them anything, Show them anything right, for yeah. another two months. <laughs> right? out as I think, I think yeah. that that really speaks to how, how, uh, how much the public was craving another mm-hmm. way to engage with, mm-hmm. with talking about illness. Why do you think that is? I think just because of the cloud that usually hangs over that type of conversation. I mean, it's yeah. very, it's inherently heavy, and 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 there's a lot of darkness in that, in that realm. And taking the route of infusing some lightness, trying to trying to extract some of the humor out of the experience of being sick mm. and approaching it from that direction just makes it more accessible for, I think, the average person to talk about it. Yeah. And it, it started to uh, something I always go back to is that we're trying to bridge the gap between people who are sick and people who aren't so that mm. it's more accessible for not only the people who are sick to talk about it for but for the people who are not sick to listen and be able to listen with open ears and provide insight or, or, mm-hmm. or just to be simply the, the ear um, to 
that comforts the person who who needs to talk. I, I think it's a, a unique stepping stone to having the conversations yourself in your own life too, because um, it can be really challenging to talk about your own personal experiences and and to be vulnerable in that sense. But if you can actually listen to to two people doing it or a group of people doing it, then it's almost like okay, I, I see where that went and I see how that can be done, and now I can extrapolate some of that stuff and apply it to my own life, so I can go and use that as a tool to have my own conversations. I know for me personally, like um, my mom had uh, bladder cancer a couple of years ago and we had already been doing this podcast and it was, it was really easy for me to come and ask somebody questions who I didn't have that personal relationship with. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, when it came to actually asking my mom about um, her illness, that was a lot more difficult and it took me a long time to feel comfortable doing that. So I, I think now I'm hyper aware of like, of, of the challenge that, that it actually is to like engage with someone about, um, in a conversation about their illness. Yeah. Um, and I, and I think that this does provide that, that mm-hmm. stepping stone to get yeah. there. Is, is your mom still alive? She is. She, yeah. Have you had her on the show yet? We did, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Recently. recently, she yeah. was. She was. Uh, I think we released her episode a few weeks ago, and it was incredible. It was yeah. amazing. It was nuts. Yeah. But that was a long time in the making too, because she <laughs> she had recovered from her um, cancer about a year and a half ago, and uh, CBC did a documentary with us a couple of years ago, pretty early on in the podcast. And my mom was going through her her uh, bladder cancer at that time. Uh, and and the director actually encouraged me to talk to her for that film, mm. and that was actually that was the stepping stone. That was the push that I needed to actually sit down and have that conversation with her. But after we did that, they they came and they filmed it. Um, they left about half an hour later. We continued to talk at my house for like three hours after that. But then it was kind of like okay, well we did it, so now we don't need to do it again. And it was like another two years that we didn't really talk about it in the same way um that we did when we had her on the podcast like a month ago yeah so it was really really profound it's mm-hmm. it's um and like someone it's who, difficult to do who like for your mom someone who's obviously very close to us and close to like why you are the way that you are and mm-hmm. she's also kind of a second mom to me i've known brian and i've been together been together been uh, <laughs> been, uh, been best friends since we were 10 years old and so it was like a really 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 yeah. amazing thing how did you meet when you were 10 uh, I moved in next door. Okay. Yeah, I moved in across next the street. Neighbors. It's it's funny though. I, like for me, talking to my mom on the podcast with Taylor and Jer there was so normal. But I think about like if we didn't have microphones and like <laughs> you're like, mom, we're gonna sit down and talk about yeah. your mental health. How, my two how, friends are gonna come over. But yeah, the two friends thing for yeah. sure. But that's yeah. the thing that it, that's something that we've come back to on the podcast a lot is, um, at one point we kind of had this thought. Okay, well. How do we make this really applicable to the the everyday person, the, the, the everybody out there who who doesn't have a podcast right. to invite somebody onto to talk about their illness, and how do they, how do they do this? You know, have we created this sort of unattainable thing because we're doing this and this makes it easy because we scheduled it and and planned it and we know we're going to do it, and then that was sort of this revelation, like, well, maybe that's what we need to do. We need to set aside specific time to talk about it. Because everybody tends to think that 
okay, how am I going to bring this up while I'm watching TV with my friend? How am I going to bring this up mm-hmm. over a coffee that had nothing to do with talking about being sick? How do I, you know, how do I just bring it up in this situation when it just doesn't fit? Just walk in on your friend taking his nebulizer in the room. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it, yeah. you know, sometimes it is yeah. this spontaneous right. thing, but maybe this, this scheduled, like, Hey man, I, I'd really like to sit down, whether it's, whether it's the person that, whether it's a friend of a, someone who's sick or a family member, or it's the person that is sick that wants to talk to make time and to make specific time to sit down and talk about it. Because I think that kind of creates the understanding and the expectation that we're going to sit down and do this. Mm-hmm. And I think it, I think it would make it a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy, have you always been so open about your cystic fibrosis and especially being funny about it? No, not really. Um, when I was, when I was younger, um, you know, when I was a child, uh, I was pretty ashamed uh, about living with CF. I did like, I would never be caught taking my medication. Um, uh, I, I didn't ever want to really like explain it to people. <clears throat> and then there wasn't, there wasn't like one moment where it shifted. I think it was, it was a, you know, a, a bunch of different scenarios in my life that, sort of brought me to where where I eventually landed, which is this place where I, I can openly speak about it and I find I find humor in, in it regularly. Um, but I, I think one of the things that actually played a major role in it was the was acting. Mm. Right. So I've I've talked about this a couple of times, but like when I was growing up, my my heroes were people like um, like Jim Carrey and like Adam Sandler and George Carlin. Chris Farley, like those were the, those were the guys that I looked up to. And I think because I was, I was, you know, if I was ever reading a book as a kid, I was reading a George Carlin book. You know, I was, I was, I was trying to find comedy everywhere. And so that played a big role in, in the, the way that I sort of saw the world through this, this lens of mockery. Mm. Um, but then on, on top of that, uh, performance and, and acting and, and exploring that side of myself brought out this sense of um, self-discovery that I think made me feel a little bit more comfortable with talking openly or, or even just like exploring the idea of what it means to live with cystic fibrosis. Um, I remember a project that we did. I went to Ryerson here in Toronto for acting and um Sheldon, what was Sheldon's last name? We had this, we had a writing, a creative writing teacher named Sheldon. And he basically wanted us to, to write a, a creative expression piece about like the hardest thing we've ever gone through. Mm. And then we were supposed to present that to everyone uh, the next day. And I remember just like going, fuck it. I'm just going to write about the time that I almost had my bowels removed because I was so sick when I was 14 or whatever. Something I never told really anybody about. I wrote this thing out and there were a couple like jokes in there and it felt kind of, it was like, yeah, this feels nice. All right. And I went in the next day and I, I presented it to the class and within that, you know, six minute presentation, of reading it to my classmates, they all know me very well. There was a mix of people crying, like really crying and hearing me, hearing the struggle that I went through. 
yet at the same time there was like these bouts of laughter that just like broke the tension of that of that sadness and i remember just like feeling it just felt so it felt so freeing and i i think from like that moment forward i didn't really look back um and you can hear that story <clears throat> on the very first episode yeah exactly yeah. that exact story was one of the first things that we talked about mm-hmm. on the show yeah yeah so yeah so it, it's it was a, it was a pr- process to get to that point, but um, I really do think it, it has a lot to do with the fact that it, comedy was just such something that was so important to me, and 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 also just that like that self discovery of of what it means to be an actor. You know, I, I find that people, especially talking about vulnerable things, they either use comedy to avoid the heart mm-hmm. of something, or they use it to get to the heart of something. Yeah, right? and that, and that's the thi- that's a thing that I feel like a lot of people might confuse sick boy with like mm. you oh you're just you're so you're masking mm. the seriousness by by using humor as a crutch we've gotten mm. a little bit of that feedback yeah I think more so asking like is this is that is, how it works yeah, and yeah it's going no no it's more so using it as using using it it's as a tool, tool yeah. to to then open up into the harder things like can we can we can we start uh can we start a really can we start a conversation and, and become very relaxed and and um, and comfortable with each other using humor. Mm-hmm. And I, I find that typically with, especially with our live shows, um, because there is this like added degree of entertainment that you're trying to bring be- mm-hmm. to a live audience, our live shows, and this was really true. We did a show in Calgary the other night where the energy and the comedy and the chaos of the conversation was like way up here in our throat. Like it was so high. And the first 20, 25 minutes were just, I mean, like, like I was, I, I, I actually, when I was sitting still and not speaking, my jaw was shaking because it was like, it was sore from laughing. My cheeks were sore. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't keep my jaw straight. It was wild. It, it was, was insane. And yeah. then, and then, and it kind of hit this fever pitch and it was so funny and the crowd was in, so engaged and just, and laughing at every, every moment. And then it just dropped down into this super insightful and thoughtful place and our guest was amazing and she was she was you know talking about these things in in, in such a thoughtful and meaningful way and and, it, the, and you could hear a pin drop yeah like you knew that everyone in that room was so in tune was was listening so deeply and and I think I think it, it was is, the laughter. I think it's because I was just going to say. Do you think it would have been like that had you not opened it up? With the the laughter brought us there. It brought us there. But it's I kind think. of like it's kind of like treading water a bit too, right? Like the lo- the 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 more I think the more manageable pace you go at, like if you're if you're kind of just treading there, you're able to stay there for longer. But if you if you um, go at it like too hard, then you almost I think you 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 burn out and you don't actually you end up avoiding the topic in in general. Like if you, I think it's a way. Well, it to was like going kind of in like, that direction. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it because it almost like if you laugh too 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 much, then you you almost trivialize it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it's a really great tool to get mm. to that point that you want to get to. And I think. it came down and and I think it was. I think it, I think the laughter brought us to that place where we could. Then not only us, but also the crowd, because they're very much a part of the energy of everything that's happening and allowed us to go to this place that I'm not sure if we would have got 
to mm. if we if it wasn't for the, the kind of the chaos of mm-hmm. the first l- little while that was just so funny and silly mm-hmm. I think it depends on why you're going in and what what you're trying to do are you going in to try to make people laugh or are you going in to try to have these conversations and yeah. open people up right? yeah because like it, you know not all not all of the live shows are like that either I mean yeah. we've had we've had live we've had live show experiences where um, uh, grace for example in Ottawa I was going into that going I, I I've met grace before she's she she's I, I, I like semi knew her through improv competitive improv when we were in high school uh, I know she's hilarious mm-hmm. and I know she's very quick and like and like she's she's very witty and so I was going oh sh- this is gonna be this is gonna be a laugh fest and we go in and you know there's 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 some laughter here and there but it was a very it that convers the tone of that conversation was very um, somber is not the right word, but it was it was it wasn't this like it wasn't this comedy show. Right, more muted. It yeah. was yeah, it was. I think it depends on you know what of course that person is bringing yeah. to yeah. the day. Yeah, and actually, that's, that's a, well, that's a good point. What are some of your <laughs> um, what are the guests that stand out, or maybe if you could pick one guest that stands out for each of you uh, from your career so far in, the, <clears> in doing this, who would it be? You, um, <laughs> oh, thank you. But <laughs> I, I actually mean that. Like I mean that that you're you're the conversation we have with you. And if and if anyone's listening to this and they haven't heard that episode, go back and listen to it um, after this because I, it, I wasn't fishing for that. <laughs> by the way. No, we know no, we see what you were doing there, Mark. No, okay. I know you weren't, but but it, I I do mean it because you 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 know you're that you're the the kind of guest who who is who simultaneously is is. You're ready to sit down and have a conversation. You are super open to opening up any box that comes with what you've gone through. Mm-hmm. But you're also really you're smart and you know how to you know how to like bat back and forth in a conversation. And those are always my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, it's 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 hard when and not we don't run into this often, but sometimes you'll get someone in who really just wants to sit and be asked. Be mm-hmm. asked. Yeah. And then they'll respond. And that's it. And that's okay. Some That's okay. You know, those, those conversations, there's there's lots to take from those and that's lots a, to glean from that. That's the nature of having guests who are just, you know, everyday, average, normal people. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. we're not, we're not a, we're not a podcast that has celebrity guests all the time who are talking about their, you know, special. Yeah. Rarely do we ever. Once in a lifetime. Yeah. Like it's, it, everybody's a, a normal mm-hmm. average person. Yeah. But Which the, means that they might not actually have experience talking on a microphone and doing things like yeah. like nerves is a big thing that that can come mm-hmm. up too. And you could we could anticipate that this might be a really great guest. They have a really great story, but they're just not comfortable talking on a microphone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, when you can when you can sit down <clears throat> with anybody, like our episode with you, like Jeremy said, uh, really, I don't maybe lucky, maybe it's a miracle. I don't know, but some of the first few people that we sat down with. Really, like like Brian said about uh, Matt Amy, it really set the benchmark for what we mm-hmm. wanted to do because there was not only questions asked about their experience, but there was an exchange of ideas, and there was a conversation about about what we think about life and mortality mm-hmm. and our own experience about being sick or being healthy and and being with people or or uh, in love with people or friends or family with people who are sick. And uh, that exchange of ideas when we sit down and have that is a is a really special mm-hmm. is a really special uh, moment. Yeah, th- this is a good point because you know 
it's all well and good to talk the talk, and you guys do a show where you're talking to people who are uh, terminally ill, uh, and you've had guests who have died since doing your show. Mm-hmm. What's that like? It's it doesn't get easy. Yeah, yeah it, I, I, it's well, hard. I, like when you when you ask who some of our memorable guests are, like the I think for the three of us, Brandon Thomas really sticks out. Um, yeah. He's somebody who came in early on in in uh, our adventure into this project, like. He came on and he was this everyday average normal guy, 19 years old, um, and he had the same type of cancer that Terry Fox did. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had this crazy uh, leg amputation and this this surgery called the Van Ness rotationplasty, and um, it was a really wild story. But he was just such an authentic, like genuine, beautiful individual that when we left the room after the first recording. Like all three of us wanted to continue hanging out with him, and so we, and we did. And we did. Yeah. So yeah. so he was hanging out. He was coming and hanging out. Like he he slept at all of our houses. I think a, a number of times in that like first six months after the recording, and and uh, we had him back on the podcast again. He guest hosts uh, a show with us, and and uh, his cancer unfortunately kept coming back. Uh, and after his fourth um, uh, occurrence of having this cancer, it it eventually um, took his life. Mm-hmm. And for me, like learning about um, building that genuine, authentic connection through conversation, like he he's taught me so much about um, about your ability to connect with an individual in a short amount of time. Like he became our best friend in in two years. And yeah. there's there's something to be said about everybody that we've talked to who is really who's really close to death. Uh, I, I if in hindsight, looking back, I would probably make the argument that everybody who's facing mortality in a not too distant sense is really thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And there's there's something that 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 close proximity to death, I think that br- that it brings to to people and the but the caveat, or the interesting thing about that is that we are all, we are all facing our mortality. We just don't think about it. So we all, I think, have this opportunity to be taught by, by mortality and by death, mm-hmm. uh, and and where where we are in relation to it, or where we might mm-hmm. be in relation to it, that can make us all more thoughtful and insightful people. When you think about something like death, you think like it, it forces you to almost ask yourself these questions like, well, what's important to me in life? Mm-hmm. You know, like what, how can I maximize my time that I have here? And things like this that we, we like Taylor mentioned, we don't think about these things regularly because to us, death is so far away. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something that we can tangibly feel, uh, uh coming up. Yeah. That was, that was one of the most impactful messages, Jeremy, from your TEDx Toronto talk, mm. uh, which I still think should be the most popular TEDx Toronto talk ever. I said <laughs> that at the time, you. too. I, know, I, remember. Uh, I was privileged to be in the audience for it. Um, <clears throat> you know, but that message really s- struck me to to say uh, maybe you can articulate better. You could articulate it better than I can. But uh, to set an alarm uh, in your phone to remind yourself. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, so that whole, the whole idea of that came from the fact that this notion that I was living with this idea that 30 was going to be pretty much my, my cap. Mm. Uh, I wasn't going to live very much beyond that. And that's all due to statistics based on the life expectancy of people living with cystic fibrosis. And what I was, what I had, you know, had learned when I was a, a, a youth. And so I, I've been 
in looking back at my life, I, I realized I, I was living my life with this, this alarm that's been set mm. 30. And when I get there, it's over. So how do I want to, how do I want to live between now and that moment? Well, I want to squeeze out every ounce of life that I can. And, and it, and it, changed the way that I lived my life. I, I, you know, I, I think I was a little bit more of a, what's the word when you just do Present. impulsive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Had a, had a what, what, did, what did you say? Present. Present. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, I was present, but like present. I was, I was very impulsive, you know, like mm-hmm. I remember, I remember uh, when I met my wife, you know, it was like two weeks in and I was like, God, I think I'm in love with her. And then like three weeks in, I was like, I'm probably going to marry this one. And then four weeks in, I think I even said to her, I'm going to marry you one day, but I need you to forget I said that. <laughs> I, fu- I said that to her like four weeks in. And, and then I did. I was like, I just, I was like, I'm, I'm 23. This is very young to get married, but screw it. I love this girl. I'm going to be with her until I die. I, I only have seven years left. Hmm. So I better make the most of it. You've always accelerated things because of your relationship to death. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything is accelerated. Everything is like, there's this, there's this almost like impatient voice in the back of my head with everything. I just want, I just want to get it done. Let's get it done. Let's go. Let's take the next step. And so, uh, I'm now 30 and, and when I gave that talk at TEDx, I was about three months away from 30. And I remember saying in that talk, like when I, when I hit that day, Everything from then on is bonus time. Mm. And how beautiful of, a, of an idea would it be if everyone could adopt that, that notion that you have, you have your own alarm. Like your clock is also ticking. So what if you just set your own clock right now? Like how long do you think you have? And even if, of course you don't know if it's true or not, but how would it, change the way you go about your day. If you thought to yourself, maybe I only have five years left. Mm-hmm. I bet you'd live a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. I bet you'd live with just a little bit more, you know, compassion, a little bit more love, a little bit more, um, inviting a little bit more laughter into your mm-hmm. life. Well, like on it, a very real note, we spoke to somebody, uh, just a month ago who, who was a, a really big advocate for made mm-hmm. uh, medical assistance and yeah. dying and um, Audrey Parker and, and her, her, her date, she knew her date. And we, we recorded with her on October 3rd and her date to die through made was November 1st. Mm-hmm. And that conversation, that conversation was, was so huge for me because it, it like validated everything that I've, really strongly believed in, in terms of what it means to live knowing that you're going to die. She was astoundingly beautiful Mm. in all aspects. And she lived the shit out of her life for that last 28 days. She was so accepting though. And like Mm -hmm. so comfortable with the idea of dying that it was like, that's what was inspiring. Mm -hmm. She's a real, she's, she, she, she was a real beacon of light for people who are going through a really, really tough time mm-hmm. with their mortality, you know, people who are sick with any number of, of things that are bringing them closer to, um, closer to their mortality, uh, than, than, you know, quote unquote usual or as expected. And that she could sit down and with a huge smile, 
tell us that she is she is accepting and she is ready and she is she is planning and she's enjoying the experience and she's enjoying the planning and the um and and everything that goes along with with making sure that she just has an amazing uh exit. last month that yeah. she has an amazing and beautiful mm-hmm. exit and yeah. that and that she shares this experience with everybody to go hey it's okay mm-hmm. yeah. it's not it is this huge thing and it it can be very daunting but it doesn't need to be this it doesn't need to be fully like engulfing and sad and heavy. It can be every emotion rolled into rolled into this experience. And I think that the kind of going back to kind of the, how we started a little bit of this conversation was that it tends to skew towards one end of the emotional spectrum and there are so many more to explore. And through all the episodes that we've recorded, we've really been able to talk with guests that have hit on a ton of that emotional mm-hmm. range and uh it's been amazing jerry um i'm curious to know uh, on on that note like knowing that you share the same sentiments as as audrey like like being comfortable mm-hmm. with with death um how challenging is it to support the people around you um knowing that you're so comfortable but oftentimes a lot of your loved ones and stuff still fear mm. um the day that you eventually won't be here right well i, I honestly i think that the podcast is like a, a pretty awesome tool for me to just like hammer home that idea that yeah. death is coming and it's going to be a really beautiful transition so get you ready this, get ready like you know? having having living with a chronic a chronic terminal illness you have that that catalyst to be able to look at death in a, in, mm-hmm. in a special way but for people like like Taylor and I for example who, who don't live with something like that um, it is a lot harder to to find something to meditate on to like kind of to get to that place yeah 100% so it, it it's it's I think that that can be I know that Audrey was saying like a lot of her time was spent like managing the people around her to try yeah. to make sure that they were comfortable mm-hmm. with the idea too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I honestly I feel like the podcast is selfishly for myself. It's like it is this perfect excuse for me to hey, just coming. Can, yeah, to <laughs> well, continue talking about it and like cuz the more you talk about it the yeah. more uh, it's not ever going to be easy. No. But the more you discuss it, the more you talk about it, the more open people are going to become. Yeah. about that you know that that mm-hmm. idea of that transition. So, well, and this is very much obviously a, 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 a team effort among friends. But Jeremy, do you consider this your legacy? A hundred percent. Yeah, it was like I, there's a there's a line in the documentary where I'm saying like I'm not going to have a kid. I, ca- I can't have a I can have a kid if I want to do in vitro, but I, I don't want a kid. This is this is my kid. This is our kid. You know, we're we're raising this this baby, and when I die. Just like if I had a, an actual human baby, I want that thing to continue to grow and to continue to add to society mm. and to 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 go on and do beautiful things and help people and, and change people's lives. And that's what this that's what Sick Boy is. That that is that is our child that us three fathers are are <laughs> rearing together. Three men and a baby. Yeah, that's three it. That's baby. it. Like yeah. this is uh, this is yeah, this is my legacy. Like this is this, this, I'm saying it right here, <clears throat> right now. If I die tomorrow, this, it, this doesn't end here. It right, continues on. We'll find a co-parent too. Yeah, Mark will step <laughs> in. Yeah, Mark will be the new, the new host. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it, it totally is. You know, this is when you are gone. How do you want people to remember you? Um, 
I don't want people to forget that uh, you know that I can be an asshole sometimes. I want people to remember. I I want people to remember me for exactly who I am and who I was. We don't forget that part. Kind yeah. of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I, very ingrained. Yeah. Yeah. I want people to remember all aspects of, of me. I want people to remember that, you know, I, I can be really funny, but I can also be really frustrating and I can be really impatient. And, and I think that, you know, the, the way that I live my life um, with, and the way that and talking about the, the TEDx talk and, and, you know, when I, when I gave that talk, there were so many people that would come up to me afterwards and say how it affected them and, and how they wish they saw the world in that, in that way. But like, also you have to understand too, that it's not, it's not a, a perfect way of going about life, you know, like, and, and I think there's, there's lessons to be learned in that. Like when I'm dead, take those lessons, mm. take those lessons and, and understand like, <clears throat> I, you know, I'm 30 now. I didn't think I was going to get go this far. And so up to this point in my life, I didn't financially, I didn't save money or anything like that. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 I was so dumb with money. These are lessons I think that like people can learn and, and, you and know, consider. at your funeral, um, <coughs> when I speak at it, I will make sure because funerals are a little too skewed towards Sadness. Oh, they did all these nice oh, things, yeah. and they were all this great oh, person. Yeah. I want I'll, to, I'll make it's sure. All about the good, it's all yeah, about the I dead person. You, yeah. <laughs> you better roast me. I'll just. I'll. Yeah, I'll make sure people remember yeah. that you could have your days. Yeah. Give. Yeah. Roast me because I. I, I have a hard time taking roast uh, while, while I'm alive. So when I'm dead, I won't be here to. Yeah. You can't even respond. That's so. right. I'm not going to be here to respond yeah, to it. So exactly. Get it in while you can. Absolutely. Do you have any early roasts while he is around? Uh, it's uh, the podcast. The podcast is basically a, a weekly, yeah. a weekly like yeah. mini roast of yeah. all of us in some way, shape, yeah. or form. Someone was saying that last night because uh, we did a, we did a live show last night, and, the, and a friend of ours who we went out for a drink with afterwards said something along the lines of like, you guys are just kind of digging at each other in these really subtle ways that <laughs> that, that that sometimes people pick up on and sometimes they don't because they're these like little tiny yeah. like you say something and I go hmm? yeah <laughs> and it's something as simple as that and it just gets slid in there and uh, we're we're kind of constantly roasting each other in, in small ways mm -hmm. well I hope you continue to do it for many years hopefully to come yeah we'll, well to not too many people. I mean you know this is what we have legs for so long yeah, yeah. I and also I can't imagine being 60 like, yeah, that's just, yeah, yeah. you have an aversion to 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 being again no, normal age I definitely do I yeah, definitely do like <laughs> that just that sounds really uh really scary and daunting and horrible to me and but to me you know when yeah. I meet people who are 60 I'm like look at you go well this you've spent great. so much time thinking it's going to be this long and now yeah. and now science is just getting in the way I'm tired you know like <laughs> oh god if it wasn't for science I'd be gone yeah you know <laughs> Well, on that note, <laughs> uh, well, I want to thank uh, all three of you for coming in and, and uh, since joining E1 and being the first guest since doing that. And, uh, you know, it, it, you guys are, are uh, changing the world. It, it really is inspiring to me. I, I, I love finding things that inspire me. Uh, and every single episode that you guys do is, is extraordinary. So I want to thank you for uh, the light that you guys are putting into the world. You guys are that beacon that you, that you mentioned, Taylor, thank for you. so many people. And um, let's leave it with, uh, if there's one thing that you've learned uh, from doing this podcast over the last few years, what would you like to tell uh, the listeners? Uh, 
I mean, there's there's a number of those those things that I think we've learned. But I think I think one of the the ones that really stick out to me, and I think for all three of us, is that life is just far too short for any amount of small talk. Mm-hmm. Just cut through that shit and get to the real stuff. Be open to talking to each other about the stuff that matters Mm. because that's a better use of your time and you don't have much time. No one has much time regardless of whether you live to 80 or not. That's not much time. So skip the small talk. Yeah. Yeah. Get into it. Get dirty. For me, it's for me, it's everybody like everybody has their challenges. And I think that we're, we're, we're really quick sometimes to, to look at it, like compare ourselves to other people. And, and there are things that, you know, when you actually dig into a conversation with someone and you learn about all the things that they've been through, um, I think there's a lot of experiences that are really relatable. And when you're able to, um, be more compassionate and more empathetic and understanding that, you know, everybody has their own set of those things, then, uh, then I think you're able to be a a kinder person. Yeah. We had this, we had this conversation uh, really early on in the show with a, with a guy named Layton and, um, and he was a guest of ours that, that, um, passed away about a year after we had recorded, um, our episode with him a little over a year. And he, when we recorded with him, he knew that he was, he was going to pass away. Uh, he didn't know the time he just had really, he, he knew that his, his cancer was very aggressive. Um, and, and it would take him, uh, in the not too distant future. And I remember asking him, and this was the first conversation that we had with somebody who was really facing their mortality very quickly. And I asked, you know, is it true what you kind of hear that when you, when, when your death is fast approaching, do you start seeing the world in a different way? Do you start seeing colors more vividly? Do you start seeing things more beautifully? Is that, is that, is that real? Or is that just something that, you know, the movies have made up and the reality for a lot of people is that when, when you find out that your mortality is approaching, it's not the next day. It's a dry, it can be a really drawn out experience. And he said, well, yeah, it was for a little bit, but then I just got used to it. He got used to the idea that his mortality was coming. And it kind of struck me as this really, um, this great lesson in hum- the human condition that we can take anything for granted. Even our lives, when we know they're coming to an end, and that was just like a really profound lesson for me that mm-hmm. you can take anything for granted, um, even even life itself, when you know that it doesn't have much time left. Yeah, it was just really uh, mm-hmm. really hit me. So remind yourself yeah. not, not to take anything for granted, right? Yeah, and that you will you will, and that's but to, and that's okay. Yeah, but to then <laughs> every so often periodically find that inspiration that allows you to to find all the beauty. And find all the all the amazing experiences in life, and all the things that you do take for granted, and then and then you'll slowly take them for granted again. But then remind yourself. Mm-hmm. It's like it's this constant reminder. It's like you know you don't clean your house once and it's and it's done. Mm-hmm. You 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 clean it you clean it all the time. You take a shower all the time. Like there's there's upkeep that you need to do with your inspiration and how you how you go forward in life. And it's not a bad thing to take it for granted. It's another opportunity to refine the beauty that that is life. Jeremy. Brian Taylor, thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Okay, that's my conversation with the guys from Sick Boy, Jeremy Saunders, Brian Stever, and Taylor McGilvery. Uh, wasn't that awesome? I, <laughs> I love talking to them, and, and Jeremy in particular. I was at, uh, he did a TEDx Toronto talk uh, probably two years ago, I want to say. Uh, and it was just so great. And, and to be able to see him speak live, uh, to talk to him uh, in person, I, I think it was at, I think it was an Airbnb that they had uh, where, where we had done uh, my episode of their show. Uh, so we had them into our little tiny studio here uh, uh, to record that one. But uh, go check out their show. Uh, check out all of their individual work. Uh, and I'll share it on my social media platforms as well. So follow me. I'm at Mark Hennick, at M-A-R-K-H-E-N-I-C-K on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm also on a bunch of other stuff if you want to creep me there. I don't know even. I think I'm on Reddit. I post there sometimes, but I don't really know. Uh, Tumblr maybe, but only because I think Instagram has an automatic function that a <laughs> posts to Tumblr. Anyway, I'm on all those places. So go find me. Uh, you can also go to my website, markhennick.com, M-A-R-K-H-E-N-I-C-K.com slash so-called normal. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, leave us a rating, like us, love us, leave a, a beautiful um, comment on the bottom uh, and share with all your friends, please. Uh, it's really important to the, to the success of the show to make sure that we get this out to as many people as possible. Uh, if you want to try out a free trial of psychotherapy, uh, online, safe, effective uh, psychotherapy with people who are trained, who know what they're doing, who are licensed and credentialed, go over to betterhelp.com mark, enter the promo code mark, and you can get a free trial uh, of psychotherapy or courtesy of BetterHelp with some trained professionals. Uh, I think that's it for me. I think I got all of the, the things said there that I needed to say. Uh, so hope you enjoyed the show. This has been So Called Normal, and I'm Mark Kennick. Oh,